Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. NXT or Nooks. Now, a lot of people forget about this, or you may not have been watching back in 2010. But of course, the original idea, the original concept for this was to take a bunch of dudes and feature them as the next big breakout stars of world wrestling entertainment. Now, obviously, it's a play on the word next, but given that it is a wrestling promotion, you're never allowed more than three initials, hence why it became NXT. But for the last decade, I have been convinced that it stands for new extreme talent because Vince McMahon. Unfortunately, it was to play on Next Generation, but mine is better. I don't see a G anywhere around here, do you? The whole concept as well was designed to save WWE version of ECW, or at least the time slot that WWE had, because it was airing on the Sci-Fi Network at the time, and just to be completely honest with you, nobody was watching it. I mean, the concept had died an absolute death because this was nothing like the extreme championship wrestling we all remembered from the late 90s, So given that the UFC's Ultimate Fighter was doing super duper well and basically made that company, WWE thought, well, why don't we try and do something similar? So this was going to be used as a trial ground, not only for superstars, but also for production. Because honestly, if you do any kind of research into this, WWE had all these grand plans for new camera angles and who knows what else. And as soon as they worked out the kinks, they were going to bring them to Raw and SmackDown. Even with all of that, inside all this, the meat and bones would still be eight rookies teaming up with eight pros as the real superstars took them by the hand and led them through the murky waters of WWE. So we had Daniel Bryan and The Miz, Chris Jericho and Wade Barrett, Christian and Heath Slater, Michael Tarver and Carlito, David Atunga and R-Truth, Skip Sheffield, who would become Ryback soon enough, and William Regal, Justin Gabriel and Matt Hardy, as well as Darren Young and CM Punk. And if you like Simon, why did you have to use your phone to do that? Well, it's really hard to see someone like Wade Barrett and now recall that he was a rookie so my brain all gets fuddly-duddly. People were also going to get eliminated as the weeks went on. There was going to be one overall winner. It was the most 2010 thing ever. And while it may sound nuts now too, do you know who the bright spark in management's eyes was? It was none other than David Atungo. Not only was he dating Jennifer Hudson at the time, which they saw as, oh my gosh, he's a Hollywood celebrity, but he was also a Harvard lawyer. And we know how much WWE loves stuff like that. And also when you did look at him, you were like, well, that guy could kick my ass. Now, as we know, this didn't work out, but I don't actually think this was David Otunga's fault, as we will look into in just a few minutes. In fact, I think this was a classic case of WWE trying to build someone. It didn't work in around about 6.7 seconds, so now we'll just bury him underground. I mean, that was kind of the whole problem with the show. They wanted people to run even before they could roll around the floor screaming, Mommy, I need the loo. It was such a weird show as well, because on the one hand, it was an absolute bust, but on the other, it was a massive success. Like, even Gabby Tuft, who was Tyler Rex when she was in WWE, said that if you were sent to NXT, you were essentially being sent there to die. 
But then when all was said and done, the Nexus was born out of it. It really is a head scratcher. The only reason that did suck was, of course, everything that happened at SummerSlam. All we needed was for Wade Barrett to pin John Cena in that big match. And who the hell knows where would we be today? But instead, John Cena won and Wade Barrett left the company for years. And he only came back around about five minutes ago. But way back on February 23rd in 2010, meaning we are about to celebrate the 11th anniversary, although of course technically it's the 10th anniversary because you can't have an anniversary on the day you come out of your mother's womb. Anyway, we're getting way off track here. It was the first ever NXT. And let's take the finger of power and up those downs. Right, okay, honestly, if you had told me before NXT began, oh, actually, Simon, it's just going to be a platform so we can berate and run down Daniel Bryan, I would have believed you. Because within seconds of it beginning, The Miz, who of course is Daniel Bryan's pro, is just insulting him and saying he's a piece of crap and then ordering him to march to the ring to The Miz's music and cut a promo. And if he's not able to do it, maybe we'll put you in a cannon and shoot you into a wall. I mean, he didn't say that, but he may as well have done. Because honestly, as soon as he does leave, The Miz turns to the camera and goes, ah, that guy, he's rubbish, he's crap, and I never want to hear you cheer him. So much for making a brand new star. But then cut to Michael Cole, who then serves as a conduit for Vince McMahon to just hurl all his insults towards the indie scene and that Daniel Bryan. And it honestly is really infuriating, especially because you look at Daniel Bryan and you just want to cheer him down. The most ridiculous part of all of this too is when Daniel does start talking, he's fine. He's not as good as he is today because of course he got better as the years went on. But he's engaging, he comes across like a real person. I did not see what the problem was. He even gives a wink and a nod to his indie fan base when he goes, well, we all know The Miz is a piece of trash. And honestly, I want to apologize. I would have preferred it if I had been teamed up with William Regal. As ever, Daniel Bryan is just great. Uh, Miz then interrupts because it is WWE and Daniel Bryan's had a bit on WWE T before, so he doesn't know what he's doing. And would also like a plan about how he's going to be able to climb to the top. And without missing a beat, Bryan goes, well, maybe I'll go on a reality TV show and maybe I'll grow a crappy haircut, aka he's going to do exactly what The Miz did. They then argue about what his catchphrase should be and Daniel settles on, you'll either tap or I'll snap. And I was like, no, definitely don't do that because that sounds absolutely horrendous. And given the whole idea was to whittle down the contestants until there are only one, The Miz just points at Daniel Bryan and goes, you're not a star. Great. He also gave Daniel Bryan a slap, which Bryan sells like he'd given him a kiss he couldn't have cared less. And then we have this bizarre, awkward silence where Brian is clearly told not to say anything. And then he gets his cue and he goes, well, I've been slapped before and I'll be slapped again. And here's one day I'll slap you back. Okay. The good part is that whatever the motivation here, Daniel Bryan comes off like such a massive star because the first 10 to 15 minutes is all about him. Even when we come back to commercial, now it's Matt Stryker interviewing Daniel Bryan in the back. He just wants to get his take on things. I mean, he still roasts him as well, going, well, you've been on the NDC for 300 years, and now it's WWE, and you're in the big leagues, pal. And of course, the idea here is that even though Daniel Bryan does have more experience than The Miz, because The Miz has more experience in the WWE, we should consider him the better wrestler. We all know the deal, though. Daniel Bryan doesn't care about any of this stuff, and it's just like water off a Dax back. And the only strange part is, it doesn't feel like anything has been planned. And again, just go and do a little bit of Googling. Nothing had been planned. They basically had a loose script and everything else was just made up. Carlito is then out to introduce his rookie Michael Tarver and we gotta start doing stuff like this again because we get like a three, four minute video all about Mike which allows you to decide, well, do I like this guy or do I not like this guy? I know NXT was really good at this but they're not so good at it lately because now they're a real TV show. We need to introduce people better. Up. I mentioned Carlito too and even though this show is 11 years old, 
Carlito looks three times as big now as he did back then. That really, really made me chuckle. Also, there's rumors and news going around right now that Carlito's already done with WWE. What the hell happened? I was super pumped. You then do the same thing for Heath Slater, who's got Christian in his corner, and again, it works so well. And also, Slater had his gimmick down from day one, because he says during his video package, from the day my mother gave birth to me, I knew I wanted to be a WWE superstar. Because she <laughs> had kids. Heath's hair as well, man. It is the greatest thing you will ever see in your life. It looks like a pillow that you just want to lay down on. I know, who am I to say anything about other people's hair? Just go look at it. And as already mentioned too, WWE was planning a whole new production setup here with some camera angles, and you really get a feel for it here, and I think it's pretty good. And maybe they did use them on Raw and SmackDown for a little bit, but I don't remember. Like, they shoot the action really close, and they're kind of lower to the floor than usual. I would go back and look at this and try and do it in 2021. All these four then come together to have a tag team match and it's really fun to watch because I bet in the modern day you could put Heath Slater or Michael Tarver on TV and they'd be able to have a very nice passable contest but back then they didn't and you can actually see the gears whirring in their brains. That is what you want though, that's the whole point. Somewhat ironically, if you were tuning in for this, it was because they were going to be really raw. Sorry. The fans don't give a flub because NXT was either being shot before or after a show they actually cared about, but that's why Christian and Carlito are in the match. As soon as they tag in, all of a sudden the fans are making some noise. And there are some nice beats in here too. I mean, we just saw Daniel Bryan and The Miz falling out constantly, but that's not true for Heath Slater and Christian. They're quite friendly, including Heath Slater pushing Michael Tarver off the top rope right into the Unprettier by Captain Charisma, and he gets the one, two, three. That, my friends, is that. And of course, you are never going to watch this again unless you're me and somebody has asked you to do a retro show. But still, up. And then, my word. Unless you are a fan of taking something like cheese and eating it with ice cream, you will be incredibly uncomfortable with what is next. Because CM Punk is here, and this is straight edge CM Punk, so he's with Serena Deeb, and he's with Luke Gallows, and for some unearthly reason, they're teamed up with John Cena doppelganger Darren Young. Now this would have been fine if Darren Young had a similar character, but he's meant to be a party boy here, so Punk walks out like he's just been sent to his room early, and Darren Young is jumping around and being super hyped. I mean, CM Punk even cuts a promo like, why am I here, what am I doing, this is stupid. And he's right. We also do need to ask, yes, what the hell happened to David Otunga? The man who never gets fired, as already noted, was the chosen one by the powers that be, and the character he has here is actually pretty good. He's all Hollywood, he's all educated, he's the man, he's better than you. I mean, we've seen it a thousand times before, but there's something here. We could have allowed it to evolve, but no. His mentor too is our truth Just roll it. Because my name is Simon Miller and welcome to yet another episode of Oh My Gosh, I Can't Believe How Much They've Changed Over The Years. Although this time we're doing it in reverse because our truth is getting younger and younger and younger like Benjamin Button to the point eventually he's just going to go flying back into his mother's womb. Honestly, you can look at him here and you can look at him in 2021 and you can barely see a difference. I will have whatever he's having. And if you needed some more evidence that we were backing David Rotunga for a big project, he beats Darren Young in about 30 seconds. I mean, they just run into each other and he gives him this modified chokeslam thing and he just beats him like he's nothing. And of course we were doing this because he was super green and we didn't want to expose him. But you know who else that worked for? A man named Goldberg. Obviously David Rotunga didn't become Goldberg. 
but I still appreciated the effort. The Raw Rebound advert followed this. It was quite timely because we were focusing on the 2010 Elimination Chamber, where Vince McMahon had just screwed John Cena out of his world championship. And why had we done this? Because people kept going, boo, John Cena, you suck, we all hate you. So Vince thought, well, maybe I can redo Austin versus McMahon, but I'll move Cena into the Stone Cold position. This is so funny though, because it is like Vince McMahon has been cursed and is only allowed to put Dave Batista in matches because this is honestly the story. Batista beat John Cena for the title after John Cena had been in an Elimination Chamber match, only for Vince McMahon to come out and say, well, if you want your shot at getting your championship back against Batista at WrestleMania, you have to win a match right now against Batista. I mean, it's as if Batista snuck into the writer's room with a gun and pointed it at everybody. And even if they attempted to write a different person's name down on a piece of paper, he like clocked the gun and like, all right, Dave, we'll just write Batista. So at the end of the day, it was just like, Batista does this, Batista does that, Batista wins, we all love Batista. I mean, I don't think we should be talking about Raw so much on an NXT branded show. That kind of sums up the point. Just to remind you, it was a work in progress as well. We were then at the main event, but actually when you look back on this now, it's quite the moment in time. Because it was Chris Jericho, who was the world champion at the time, taking on Daniel Bryan. And if you considered yourself a hardcore fan back in 2010, you'd had dreams that was worse than this, and it was about to happen right in front of your eyes. Wade Barrett is out as well as Chris Jericho's rookie, and he's playing his whole over oh, knuckles fighter here, which WWE had to can after they aired a video, and some people just moaned like this was too real or something. I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. Both these guys look so young too, and Chris Jericho gets Wade Barrett to do his introduction. And honestly, once again, it's just so cool to see, because now you can see how far Wade has come, especially when it comes to NXT commentary. It's like full circle. And as for the match, there's no way that it could be bad, because even though Brian was being pitched as a new guy, he had been wrestling for years, and he was pretty damn good. And we all know the story about Chris Jericho. And even though this only goes five minutes, you should go and watch it. It's pretty damn good. In fact, it impressed Jericho so much when all was said and done, he went backstage, he found Vince McMahon. He said, look, dude, you've got to keep an eye on Daniel Bryan. I think he could be a massive star. And let's face it, Y2J ain't wrong. He also slaps Jericho to start things off, which actually tied into the start of the episode when Miz had done the same thing to him. And even though Chris wrecks him for long periods, there's still this moment when Daniel Bryan dives at Chris Jericho outside the ring. Jericho kind of moves and chucks him into the announce table and it makes the audience go, oh my gosh, to such a degree where you can just smell what's happening. Jericho then used the old school lion tamer to get the tap out victory. And of course, then the Miz runs in and he's slapping and he's beating up Daniel Bryan. But again, you can't fault that. Look what it led to down the line between Miz and Daniel Bryan. I know we never got exactly what we wanted, but we got some pretty good segments out of it. We do, however, once again need to discuss Michael Cole's commentary, who, yes, is just being a stand-in for Vince McMahon and how much Vince McMahon thinks the independent scene sucks. Because the whole time it's just, oh, he wrestled in front of 50 people in a gym. He's never been on WWE. He's really small. He's a massive dweeb. He's a massive geek. We may as well have put Daniel Bryan in the ring. And then Michael Cole got in there and took a big dump on his head for all the good this did to one Daniel Bryan. So down. And yes, of course, it would take a few more years before NXT actually found what it was always destined to be. But if you like doing a little bit of research or you consider yourself somewhat of a wrestling historian, I think you should absolutely go back and watch the entire first season of this. It's just something so crazy about it all. Which is why, for that reason alone, you're not kind of rubbish, I'm giving it up. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 